Well, good morning again, church. Good to see all of you. Uh, just in case you haven't seen it online, you, you, you got to look forward to seeing Pastor Hunter. Anybody remember American Gladiators? He looks like an American gladiator, like that, that super ugly 80s hair. It's just great. It's just great. Especially he's got this waft going on. It's just amazing. So anyways, uh, if you don't know me, I'm Greg. My name is uh, Greg. My wife, Amber, and I are the lead pastors here. We're just so glad that you are here. If this is your first time, welcome with those online. We are glad that you are a part of things as well. Uh, this morning is a little bit of a different Sunday, so just want to warn you ahead of time. A little bit of a different. I'm going to get to speak here for a moment, but at the back end of our message, uh, this is our Kingdom Offering Sunday, and so we're going to be taking a special offering uh, for something we got going on. I'll be able to explain that in just a few minutes. But first, I have the privilege of wrapping up the series that we have been in over the last several weeks that we've called Cash Values, as we have been talking about the idea of money. Now, I will say this again. It's not like I love talking about money, because when I talk about money, I know what everybody out there is thinking. Seriously, Greg, why are you talking about my money? Don't get into there, whatever. Well, I have to talk about money for two reasons. Number one is that money is the root of a lot of issues that we have in our world, right? It's a source of many challenges that we have, and we can get off base on this. But the second, and I say this every time I talk about money, is that other than the kingdom of God, Jesus spoke more about money and stuff than anything else. So if Jesus allocated that much time to talk about it, then we should probably do the same thing and say, okay, God, what do you have to say about this? And so we've been talking about cash values. We've been looking at different values that we see in Scripture and then applying those to how do those relate to our money and to our stuff. And so if you've been around, uh, two weeks ago, we kicked it off and we said the, the number one value is that of trust. And I asked this question, some of you might remember this, does my money demonstrate trust in God? You have to ask yourself, if someone looked at how you related to money, would there be anything about that that would prove that your trust is in God? And so we talked about the idea of the tithe and the idea of giving God our first and trusting him as our source. Then last week in week number two, we said the, the primary value of stewardship, of stewardship. And I said the big so what last week was this, it's all his, we're just stewards. It's a change of mindset. It's changing the mind from thinking I'm the owner of everything to recognizing that ultimately I am a steward who is then accountable for what I am doing with what God has put into my hands. That's the call of every single one of us. It's true of every area of our lives, right? All the areas of our life, but it's also true of our money. What are we doing with what God has put in our hands? And so this morning, we're going to look at our final value, and I think this is one of those that, that is still countercultural very often, and it's going to wrestle. And I've got a guest who's actually going to help me uh, in this message this morning. Looking forward to sharing. If you got your Bible, turn with me to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. I encourage you to bring a Bible with you when you come. Otherwise, you can take out a Bible app or something like that. Follow along with me. If you would, would you stand with me as we're going to read our primary text? I say this every week. Nothing sacred about standing. It's our tradition to say, God, we value your words more than anything else. 1 John, if you don't know where it's at, go to Revelation, just turn back a couple pages, okay? Uh, 1 John chapter 2, beginning of verse 3 says this. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it meddles with us and it challenges us. And I pray today that you'd meddle with us a little bit. Challenge us, not just the way we think, but the way we act, the way that we live. We pray that in the name of Jesus, everybody said, amen. You can be seated. 
Now, my guess is you all know somebody like this. How many know somebody who, who says they're frugal, but in reality, they're just straight up cheap? You know somebody like that, right? Like, yeah. yeah, sure, you're frugal. No, you're just cheap. That's fine, okay? If I'm going to be totally honest, there are certain areas of my life where sometimes I can act a little cheap, okay? Uh, how many out there like Chipotle? Anybody like Chipotle? Okay, I love Chipotle. Chipotle is like my famous. In fact, I bought Chipotle for every, come on it. No, we didn't do that. That's just joking. Okay, I, that was horrible. Whoa, boo, sorry about that. <laughs> Uh, I love Chipotle, though. And so I've been going to Chipotle for, you know, 20, 25 years, something like that. And when I go to Chipotle, for the first 10 to 15 years, I did the same thing. I walked up and I ordered my chicken burrito. That's what I did. Every time I ordered my chicken burrito. And and there was all these other options. But if you're familiar, you know, the the other meat options always cost like 80 cents or a dollar more. You know what I'm talking about. And so finally, about five, five, six years ago, I was with somebody and I went to order my chicken burrito. And they said, why in the world are you getting a chicken burrito? So, well, that, that's the cheapest option. They're like, yeah, have you ever tried the barbacoa? I said, no, I haven't. I'm too cheap. He <laughs> said, you should try that. And I spent the extra 80 cents, and my life was transformed, okay? <laughs> Utterly transformed. Seriously. What I, I mean, my cheapness has caused me to miss out for years, over a decade, of that pitiful chicken, Right? awful. Okay, now the, the purpose of the message here is not to talk about Chipotle. But the purpose is to say that, that I think the value we're going to talk about this morning is a lot like my experience at Chipotle. Is that oftentimes because we don't lean into the value that we're called to, we actually live lives that are less than and we miss out on something that God wants to do in us and what God wants to do through us. And so that's what we're going to dig into here this morning. And so we're looking at number three, the value of generosity. The value of generosity. Now, there's something funny about generosity. We love generosity when we see it in somebody else, right? Think about it. Generous people just like make you feel good. They inspire you and they challenge you. They encourage you. It doesn't matter whether it's money, whether it's stuff, whether it's the, you know, they're just their love, the way they care for people, whether it's their skill, it's their time, but just people who are generous, you're just like, man, they're awesome. I want to be like them. The problem is, although they are that way, oftentimes we struggle to actually live that way, right? We're inspired, but does it really affect the way that we live our lives? So the question we have to ask ourselves, okay, okay, God, how should we live? Like, what should our lives look like? And what I love about the passage that we just read is there's a very, very clear answer written at the very end of this passage in four simple words. And what is that? Live as Jesus did. How should you live? Live as Jesus did. That's how you should live. And, and that's really, remember the what would Jesus do bracelets? How many remember those things? Like super 90s thing, you know, whatever. Like, it's a cheesy little thing, but that's really what we're called to as followers of Christ. It's like, what would Jesus do? How would he live? That's what we should walk out. That's what we should live out. That's how we should live our lives. But I do want to say this real quick because um, I think it's possible, and I see this happen regularly, that the people have a very skewed view of who God is, you know, based on their experience. Because maybe you've had something really cruddy happen in your life, just a horrible experience in your life. And what happens? Then you allow that to impact your view of who God is. You think God's forgotten about you. You think he doesn't care about you. You think about these kind of things. But when we approach scripture, scripture teaches us very clearly what God is like. And it says this, you want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus. If you want to understand his character, what he values, what's important, who he is, if you want to know who God is, look at Jesus. It is the clearest representation of who God is. 
And so that's the first thing you have to understand is like recognize that. Make that connection in your mind always. If I have a weird view of God that's in conflict with who Christ is, then I have missed it somewhere, right? I look to Jesus. But we look at Jesus' life and we ask ourselves, okay, if we're supposed to live like him, okay, well, how did Jesus live? What is that model that we're supposed to model ourselves after? And I always take us in one of my favorite passages in Philippians chapter 2 because I think it articulates so clearly what Jesus was all about. It says this in Philippians chapter 2, beginning of verse 5. It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who... Being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. I love that. In other translations say, didn't think it was something he should cling on to and hold on to. See, this isn't the position that Christ lived in. It goes on here in Philippians. It says, rather, Christ made himself nothing. The literal word says he emptied himself. He let go of all the stuff, everything that was in him, he let it go, Right? made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, right? He lowered himself. Listen, the God of the universe becoming a servant. Crazy. Being made in human likeness, and this is the part that's mind-boggling to me, the God of the universe becoming a baby. That's the posture. It says, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. All right, so we ask... How did Jesus live? Like, what was his life like? It was not one that said, uh, all about me. How can I just sit up in heaven and like, look at those poor people down there? No, it's a, it was a posture of generosity saying, how can I give? How can I engage? How can I lean in to these people that are broken and lost? That's the very heart of who God is. But how many know you can give and still not be generous? Okay, right? You can be a begrudging giver, Right? You know, it's like my kids, sometimes like, you know, my kids have to go to a birthday party, you know, so we go buy the toy so they can take to the birthday party. And then we get home and they're like, I don't want to give the toy away. <laughs> I'm like, you're going to give it away anyways, all right? Like, because we can be begrudging givers. And sometimes we might view God like, oh God, uh, Jesus goes to the garden of Gethsemane. He's like, I don't want to do this, God, right? That's the mindset we can have. Oh, you didn't want to do this. And he begrudgingly gave his life. No, no, no. Jesus articulated in John chapter 10 what his real heart was. He said this, no one takes it from me. Nobody takes my life from me but I lay it down of my own accord. Yep. said, this is who I am. I give. I lay myself. Man, it is not like I act generously. I am generous. That is my heart. That is the heart of who our God is. And that's precisely what he is calling us to. See, we are the benefactors. We're the ones on the receiving end of God's generosity. If it wasn't for what he did, we would be in a heap of trouble. But it's his heart of generosity that gave when he didn't have to that leads us to a place where we get to also respond and say, God, may I take what I've received and give it as well. That's the response he's calling us as followers of Christ, that we would live as Jesus did. And so I want to get to our big so what, right? We're going to get there early this morning, kind of hang here for a few minutes. But I always say, so what? What's the point of this thing? You forget everything I talk about this morning. The big so what is this. Generosity means an open-handed lifestyle. Generosity means an open-handed lifestyle. Does it have to do with what I give? Yes but it is so much more, right? Sometimes it's about uh, putting a little something in the bucket, but it's about so much more 
than that. It's having a heart that says, I want to be generous. It's this heart posture. It's a decision that we make to choose to say, I want to be like Jesus. I want to live as he lived in response to everything that I've received that I didn't deserve. My response wants to be one of giving to say, God, I want to live this way. Not live this way. Not that I'm clinging to my rights and my privileges as Christ did, just as Christ laid himself down. I want to live in the same way. God, with open hands to give. There's a passage in Deuteronomy 15, if you want to turn there with me. Deuteronomy chapter 15, that's on the other side of the Bible if you're looking for it. But Deuteronomy 15 verse 7, there's a, there's a section where God is talking to his people. And, and in the law, he's, he's painting a new picture. And I love it because God comes to the people, the Israelites, and he's trying to explain to them new ways of doing things. Because we think our world's crazy. Like we think our world is selfish and all about themselves. Let's rewind 3,000 years. It was even more crazy. And God is breaking into this world and raising up a people called the Israelites who he's calling to live a different way, that they would totally be a beacon of light in a world that was all selfish. And as a part of that, he tells them and he's challenging them in how they relate to the poor and those who are in need. And this is what he says in Deuteronomy 15, verse 7. It says, if anyone is poor among your fellow Israelites in any of the towns of the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. I love this. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend them whatever they need. Now listen to this. Be careful not to harbor this wicked thought. The seventh year, the year for canceling debts is near so that you do not show ill will toward the needy among your fellow Israelites and give them nothing. What in the world is he talking about there? Well, every seven years, they were supposed to cancel the debts, right? And so let's say it's six years and six months into this thing, and somebody comes and asks you for, like, I need help, I need help. And you're thinking to yourself, I don't want to get, if I give them money six months from now, I'm going to have to cancel that debt. I don't want to do that. See, he's saying, don't act like that. That's how the world acts. He's saying, rather than being tight-fisted and saying, I'm only going to give when I get something back, when I get a benefit out of this, he's saying, no, I want the posture of my people to look different than everybody else. I want the posture of my people to be one that is open-handed, one that is giving, not saying, look, I will only give if you return. No, I'm going to give, and sometimes it's not going to work out. Sometimes I'm actually going to get taken advantage, but my heart posture looks the same as my God, who, guess what? He gave his life for some people who are never going to respond to him. But he did it anyway, because that's who he is. The call for us as followers of Christ is, would we be the same type of people? He goes on, he says, give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. He goes on, he says, therefore, I command you to be open-handed toward your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy in your land. See, this is the posture God's calling us to. But if you're like me, it's not always easy to live this way, right? And, and I don't come up here because, like, I, I'm really great at this. And I, you know, you may, not, you may not know this, but I'm not perfect at everything I preach on a weekly basis. I know that's a shocker to you guys. Really just letting you know that. I'm not perfect. So, so rather than me get up here because, like, hey, generosity, we should all, because that's an area God's got to grow in me still. Like, I, I, need, to, I need to be transformed. But there's a, there's a family here, a couple here who has, who've challenged me over the years and been an inspiration to me. And so I, I'd like, I was going to introduce to you uh, Savannah's husband, but I'll introduce Joe Thomas to you. Can you give it up for my friend Joe Thomas as he comes over here? Well, the reason I said uh, 
Savannah's husband. Savannah is our worship leader who is standing right here this morning. And we, he just jokes all the time that most people just refer to him as Savannah's husband rather than nobody knows him. So he's a real person. Look at him, guys. Isn't he awesome? He's a great guy. So Lurking in the background. You're, you are lurking, whatever. So, so why don't you introduce your family a little bit for those yeah, who don't uh, know you. This is my family. Uh, this, we just took this a couple weeks ago. So uh, myself and my wife, Savannah, our oldest daughter there, Addie, she's in first grade. She'll be seven in a couple months. Uh, Sloan, our middle uh, daughter, just turned five, and Kenan will be two next uh, this week. Stone Cold Killer, he oh, looks so he's, good. He's the best. <laughs> well, uh, so whenever I talk with Joe and I like to talk about stuff, and we like to dig into theology and all this kind of stuff. But whenever we get talking about this concept of generosity, Joe lights up and just starts talking and erupting. And it isn't because he's like always been this generous guy and that's just something that he loves. It's because God does, did something in his heart and in his, his wife Savannah's heart and in their home several years ago that kind of has just transformed them and changed them. And it's, it's just, pat, they pattern their life in a different way after that. And so I just thought rather than me trying to say, hey, we should be generous, it's like, let's all of us like hear from a story of a couple who God's done a work in their heart and say, God, how could you do a similar work in our heart? So I know there was, a, there was one particular summer that impacted your family and kind of changed your mindset on this thing. So why don't you tell us kind of what took place? This is 2012. We just got married uh, that May. We got married. And, um, and so we were both working actually part-time at our local church uh, in another town at the time. So, you know, we were making lots and lots of money working part-time at a local church. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, and so um, one, one thing that you just kind of notice about church being like working in a church in the office is like you get calls uh, or people just walk in the doors who need help. They just like when people don't know where to turn, they kind of just go like maybe a church can help me whether they go to church or not or it's their church or not. It's just kind of part of the normal rhythm of working in a church. And so uh, that summer, uh, you know, spring, summer, we really started to notice like if that happened maybe once a week, it was all of a sudden like three or four times a week. The need just seemed to be like way up here compared to normal. And so we kind of um, saw that and, and we just really kind of got convicted and, and kind of leaned into it and said, okay, God, we're going to like, we're going to believe in this. We, you know, um, Matthew 25, I think it is, uh, this verse is, if you do this unto the least of these, you do it unto me. That was kind of the thing that kind of uh, got our hearts. And so we, we actually went to our, our leadership at the church and said, hey, if somebody comes in and, and needs help, let us know. We'll say yes. If we're not there, if we're not in the office, like, call us because we'll come down. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll say yes. And so um, any person that came in the door that summer, um, we said yes to. And most of the time that was like, hey, I need $25 to fill up my gas tank or I need, you know, a little bit of money for food or um, I remember one guy, he needed to get up to the children's hospital up here in, this, in the cities, and so I need gas money for that. And so it was little things like that, right? It's $10 here, $20 here, but when we have, like, $250 in the bank account, that's, like, a tenth of my wealth. <laughs> um, uh, you know what I mean? Like, so, like, that was, like, really, really hard. You don't always, you rarely actually want to do it. Yeah. Um, but we really decided to lean in. Uh, and then one day this lady came in uh, with her three kids, all under five, and said, I need to talk to somebody, I need help. And it's like, okay, so we got Savannah, and they went and talked, and I watched the kids uh, for a little bit. And um, turns out she uh, she had just come uh, and was in a, a facility um, and that was going to be kicking her out. She had kind of un, uh, ran her stay there, and she was going to be on the streets. She had nowhere else to go. She wasn't from our town. Um, and the reason she even came to our town to begin with is uh, in her hometown, she, her boyfriend had uh, forced her into prostitution. And she came here fleeing. She didn't know where else to go. She just ended up in our town. Um, and the way that she even fleed is uh, she slept with her boyfriend's 
best friend, knowing that he would find out and that he would beat her and he would throw her out and she would have like a day or two uh, to run. And so she did. That's exactly what she did. And she took her kids and she ran and she ended up in our hometown. And, um, and so we're sitting here like hearing this story like, oh, my goodness. Um, you know, and now all of a sudden, you know, speaking generously, not just about money, like $25 to fill up your gas tank isn't like what's required here. Um, but we had a spare room in our house. And so we opened up our house to her uh, and her kids and they, they came with us. We went to the place, got all their stuff, spent the day um, helping them out. Um, we found a facility for them in Wilmer to get back on our feet, went to Walmart, uh, spent a couple hundred dollars or whatever on groceries, whatever we could, right? Um, diapers and all, all that kind of stuff and a bus ticket for her and her kids to Wilmer and kind of got her off on her way so that they could try and like reestablish some actual semblance of life. Um, because like in that moment, like I said, generosity was like, we need much more and we need something much more tangible than a little bit of money. Um, fast forward a couple more months, uh, another lady walks in into the building, says, I need help. Okay, talk to you. Um, I'm at the hotel, motel down the road. I need a couple nights. Okay, here's our, here's some, you know, we'll pay, take, take care of that. Um, and here's my number. If you need anything else, give me a call. Uh, that night I get a call at like midnight, 1130, uh, from a number I don't know, and I answer. And it's her son, who's 18, and he's belligerently drunk, threatening to throw himself into the lake and kill himself. And so I get out of bed, and I drive down there, just driving around, don't know where he is because he's hung up at this point. Like, I don't know where he is. Like, I, okay, so eventually, in, you know, 40 minutes later, whatever, we find him, get him back safe, and we kind of in start uh, a, a dialogue, and we actually end up, same thing. They needed much more help. There was a lot more going on there. He and his mom uh, were both just raging alcoholics, and they needed, they needed lots of help. Um, and so we had, we had we were living in townhomes townhome at the time. We had two two spare rooms, so we um, took them into our house, and they actually stayed with us for four months. There's there's three of them. Um, we gave them a car to use, so we went down to one car instead of two, and just figured out the whole ride thing. They so she could get to work every day reliably. Um, we gave them you know money. We obviously still cooked all the meals. So all of a sudden, I went from like having to feed two people to having to feed five people overnight because they're here and they don't have you know they don't have much, um, and so. Um, there was just much more required, but we had it, and we were really trying to lean into this living open-handedly, not just trying to give money to something, but how do we actually tangibly do it? And the son, um, who was, you know, I think he was 18, 19 at the time, um, came to Christ during that time, was trying to get sober, um, actually, uh, and we still keep in contact with him a, a little bit today, and actually would love to have him back out um, because he wants, to, he wants to come back because um, this is a safe place for him where he feels like he can get away from a lot of the um, craziness that, uh, from California where he's originally from. So, um, yeah, th that summer really kind of set the course for our family in a really uh, profound way when we said yes that, that summer. Yeah. What I, what I love about it is it's, it's not always saying yes when it's comfortable. It's just predetermining to say yes, yeah. which I think is important. I think that's something when we understand generosity is generosity, if it is only like, when I get stirred emotionally, then we're not going to be all that generous, right? Because, like, only so many people are good at telling you a story to rip your heart out, you know? Like, most people are like, here's a need, here's what's going on. But if we've predetermined in our heart, God, this is who I want to be, then it can change some things. And so I know for you guys, you've now predetermined some things in your life, just some ways you go about things 
that still is just a practical way. So why don't you talk about some of that? Yeah, so um, we did, just to continue to try and lean into this, is we do a couple really small things. Um, one, same thing. We get um, when friends or family, extended family, they kind of know this about us. When they call us, um, we have a, a, a extended relative who had some really serious medical issues this year and has been in a, uh, kind of a real tough spot because of it. It's just an automatic yes, and then we'll figure it out later. So if, you know, if he calls Savannah, it's just like, She'll come tell me, hey, I sent so-and-so X amount of dollars. Okay, fine. Then we'll figure it out. So, like, that has continued. But apart from that, I worked downtown uh, for a couple of years. Obviously, you know, not anymore. <laughs> um, and so, uh, but I always had cash in my wallet. Always, 100% of the time. Because uh, if you walk the Skyways for any length of time, there, there's people there. And so, um, that's just kind of part of the rhythm of working downtown is being in the Skyway every day. And so, I always purpose to have at least, you know, 10, 15, 20 bucks in my hand. So, if somebody comes up to me, it's an automatic yes, here you go. Um, and sometimes that engage, engaged conversation with that person or with the person that I was with, it would kind of like spark something in them and you know they would make a comment. And so conversation that way. Um, it's also become a teaching moment to our kids. And so we, when we do that, you know, we roll down the window at the corner of 35 or something and do it. It sparks a conversation that we can talk to our kids about it. Um, another little thing we do is that a lot of grocery stores, they have like those uh, those donate bags, right? Where it's like, hey, you can buy this bag for $15 and leave it on the shelf and it gets donated. Always do it. Every time we see it, always we'll take one because it's 15 bucks. It's literally the easiest thing that I could do to like help somebody else in need. And so we just really just try and find little ways here and there to continue to um, make sure we don't become numb to it because I think that's part of our culture is we, it becomes really easy to just look past the need. And so um, our heart is just to say, well, no, we want to kind of like lean into the need in any small way that we can um, so that when any, if a big moment arises, like we've got a little bit of practice, so to say, to say yes when we don't really want to. Yeah, that's great. One of the things that I know, um, I know a lot of us face that because I have the same feeling at times is that, okay, well, what if I get taken I'm generous and somebody t yeah. it takes me, you know. Because I know this happens for us even as a church, you know. And we have to make a commitment. Listen, we have to recognize that, guess what? Sometimes we're going to get taken. We just are. We, if we're going to choose to be like Christ and be open-handed, then on occasion somebody's going to take advantage of that. But I would rather get taken every once in a while, caring for the poor and helping, than saying we're never going to do that because, you know, we don't you to take our money. And we're going to choose to say, hey, no, we want to, even as a church, be as open-handed and occasionally it's challenging. I know you've experienced that yourself. Like, it's not like, oh, he's a saint and everything, everything he gives, he only helps people that are always good. Like, it's been challenging for you yeah, sometimes. The, the, the one family that stayed with us for four months, like I said, two of them were... Um, very severe alcoholics. They stole from us. They lied to us. They cheated us out of things. Um, and I know um, we don't have a lot of regrets in life in general. Um, but they they did, you know, one of the broke our trust one time. And so we actually ended up kicking him out after about four months. Um, and we look back today and we go like, mm, we missed it. Like that's actually one of our, maybe our only like real regret in life, to be honest, uh, in the last 10 years of our marriage is to say, we missed it. We wish we would have been more merciful. We wish we would have been more gracious. We wish we would have been more open-handed and leaned into it and continued to help them through it. We missed it. We, we, we capped off grace and mercy because they weren't good enough. And that is, to your point, like, that isn't how Jesus operates. There's always more mercy. There's always more grace. There's always more. And so and we, we, we failed in that moment. It's actually probably really our only regret. Yeah. 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 And so it's, the question is, okay, well, how do, we, how do we take that posture? And so I, I, I wrote something down this past 
week. And as, the more I've thought about it, the more I just think that there's truth there for every one of us. And it's this. Generosity isn't just fruit, it's seed. It's not just fruit, it's seed. And I think for a lot of us, we were like, okay, okay, I'm going to be generous when I, you know, when I feel it, when I, you know, it, it just naturally flows out of me because I'm feeling this thing. And, you know, I, I grow more like Jesus and therefore the fruit of generosity just flows out of my life. That's the case. That is Like if we're becoming more like Christ, then sure, generosity, we should have more of his character in us. But it isn't just fruit. I believe that generosity is seed. It's a step that we take when we don't feel like it, honestly, when we don't want to, right? Because very rarely do you want to be generous. Do you want to give away? No, we're, we're in a place that very much we're groomed to like, no, I want what's good for me. I would rather buy myself a car than buy someone else a car. Like maybe I'm the only selfish person in the room. But the, but the call for us, though, is to say, okay, even when I don't feel like it, could I begin to plant seeds of generosity? Because here's what I know. When we take the step to give when we don't want to, what happens is it starts to produce something in us. It begins to change us. And I know this. I said this at the beginning of this series. When it comes to money, the reason God calls us to some of these things is not because he wants something from us. You hear me say he wants something for us because a lot of us are living our lives this way. We're bound up. We're we're selfish, we're concerned, we've got all of these issues, and we are just tied up in chains. And God is saying, you need to begin to set yourself free by taking the steps to let not allow these things to be the thing that holds you. But instead, would you begin to push yourself in a place where you are giving, not because you're trying to be a good person, but because you are simply trying to reflect the character that we see in our God. Would we be those kind of followers of Christ? And when we begin to sow seed, just like all things, it's just like you know, the first time you start trying to eat healthy, it's like, this tastes gross. But if you keep eating healthy, what happens? You suddenly see the benefits result in your life. You see how this begins to shape you, and suddenly your appetites start to change. And I think the same thing is true of this, and this is what I've seen. Like, I, I know lots of other stories of ways that these two have stepped in and chosen to be generous, and it, it wouldn't have been that way, you know, they couldn't have given that amount of money 10 years ago. But they were faithful with what God had in their hands, and now they're in a place where they want to be able to give that way. And I say, how could God grow that heart in us that we would look more like Christ? Right? It's not like, let's be like the Thomases. It's let's follow the Thomases as they follow Christ in this pattern of saying, God, help me to look more like you. May I live with open hands, not live tight-fisted. And so that's going to look different for every single one of us. But I hear, say, hear this. This isn't, boom, done. out of here like what if it is it's like hey this person needs a room am I willing to inconvenience myself enough to give up a room at my house and, and help someone who needs it this person takes a lot of my emotional energy and I don't really want to have coffee with them again am I willing to lay that down and say God I, I'm willing to to live open handily even if it's just kind of it's challenging for me at times right it's my time. I want to, you know, this person, how can I invest? How can I live my life that way? Are there boundaries we establish in our life? Absolutely. Jesus modeled that. There were times where he had to pull back. But the attitude, the predisposition of his heart was to give. When he saw the crowds, what did he say? He had compassion on them. And that was the posture. And so I would just pray, God, would we reflect that, recognizing that we have been the beneficiaries, we've been the ones that have received your love and your grace when we didn't deserve it, when we stomped on it, God, may we be those who share. 
whether it's our money, it's our time, or whatever we've got. God, may we live that way and plant good seed all over the place. I want to pray over us here as a congregation. So if you would do something, if you're comfortable doing this, I just encourage you to put your hands out here in a posture of just being open-handed. And I just want to pray a blessing over all of us. God, we thank you. First and foremost, we, we thank you that you have given to us when we didn't deserve it. Like Christ, the, the best picture of Christ is two open hands with nail scars in them. That you were willing to give everything for us. God, so often we receive your love, but then we have a posture of withholding and clinging to it. God, I, I pray that in our lives that we would recognize that everything we have, every good and perfect gift comes from you. And Lord, we would have hands that are open to say, God, who do you want us to bless? How can you use us? How can you flow through us? How can we use this for your glory, not our own? God, would you change the posture? And if there's areas of our heart where, where we're kind of stubborn, where we're still kind of just real selfish, self-focused. God, I pray that you'd shine a light on those things and that we would have repentant hearts to turn away from that. God, I pray that you would help us to live this way, to live with our lives open. And God, I pray for divine moments, divine stories, lives that will be transformed, eternities that would be transformed, generations that would be impacted because we choose to posture ourselves after you and not the world. We thank you for that, Jesus. Help us, Lord God. I pray for anybody, if there's anybody in the room this morning that's never received your love, God, I pray this morning would be a moment of them recognizing and seeing you for who you really are. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Can you give it up for Joe? Just say thank you so much for sharing. Well, uh, as I said, today is a little bit of a different day, and today we have the, the opportunity to actually put some action to the principle that we talked about today, as it's our Kingdom Offering Sunday. Now, to help you understand, for some of you, you're newer, newer to the church, and you're not really aware of kind of what does this look like for our congregation. I'll kind of explain the way our finances work at this church. Uh, we have our normal tithes and offerings, and that's what many of you uh, participate in and give toward on a regular basis, and we challenge our church. As we said two weeks ago, we challenge them toward the tithe. And with those, those monies, we take the first 10% because we as a congregation tithe as well. The first 10% we allocate to our monthly mission support. So we're supporting 55 now missionaries and missions organizations around the world on a monthly basis uh, so that they can take the hope of Christ all around the world. And then the rest of that, that finances we use to do the ministry here at this place. It's obviously, it's buildings, it's lights, it's bills, it's staff, it's uh, resources, whatever it is, it takes to do the ministry right here. That's what those resources are. But then we have the congregation, there's members of our congregation who every year step up and say, I want to give above and beyond the tithe. Yeah, I'm a tithe, but I want to live extravagantly. I want to live generously. I want to be one who gives and gives generously. And so uh, they make commitments at the beginning of the year to give on a monthly basis toward our kingdom builders. And as a result of that, then we are able to take projects on as a congregation that support oftentimes with our missionaries and missions organizations to just add fuel to the fires that they've got going in there. And so there's three areas that we have Kingdom Builders Project. There are global projects, and those are primarily, primarily overseas, but really beyond the borders of Minnesota. But I say the majority are overseas uh, projects that we have partnering with our missionaries. Then we have local projects that are like locally, like right here in our community, in the Twin Cities or Minnesota occasionally. And then future Christian leaders. These are investments that we make in the next generation. Because we believe in the next generation. We have an amazing, I mean, seriously, our youth group lately has been running like 130, 140 kids that are just passionate for what God is doing. 
It is so exciting to see how God's stirring stuff in their hearts and they're living generously and they're being shaped. Some of these kids, their parents don't even serve Jesus. They've come to faith in the last six months and to see them giving generously, it's just mind boggling. And so be, through Kingdom Builders, we are able to invest in some of those students to be able to prepare for the future leaders in our church, all right? And so over this past year, I wanna just talk about some of the projects we were able to take on as a congregation because of that generosity. So there's uh, some of our uh, global projects. Uh, first off, we partner with Project 42. They're an organization that takes the gospel to the 42% of the world who have no access to the gospel right now. That's their passion point. And so this year we were able to send out a, a missionary to a people group who has never had a missionary before through Project 42. We were also able to, to invest $5,000 to finish off a translation of the Bible into a language that has never had the scriptures in their language before. And so now in perpetuity, scripture is now in that language. We were also able to partner with our, our missionaries, Mark and Janie Doreen. Uh, they serve in Laos. And uh, Laos is a very challenging nation when it comes. There's a very, very small percentage of Christians in that nation. It's a very challenging place. And uh, they have a passion to bring the gospel there and to bring a movement there. And so one of the things we were able to do was they invest $10,000 into their ministry. Who was a, there, It was for some resources, a, a lot of evangelistic resources that they needed in their nation. And so we were able to partner as their, their dream is to, to, they call it change the map. They want the map of what, what their nation, right now they are serving a different God and their prayer is that that map would be trained there to worship and to serve the one and only God and serve his Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, uh, so that's what kind of has been uh, through their ministry. We've got Travis and Carrie Abrahamson. Uh, we've got Live Dead missionaries that we have kind of all over the world, but they are uh, resourcing and training up missionaries. They actually have a, a, a training center uh, in the Middle East. And uh, their facility was kind of dilapidated and stuff was falling apart. And so we were able to help secure and kind of change out some of their air units and all that kind of stuff because they're in a place where it can get insanely hot and freezing cold. And so this training center now is able to be an ongoing place where missionaries come, get trained, and then get sent all over the Arab world, uh, bringing the hope of Christ. And so it's a really cool thing. And lastly, we were able to also partner through Afghanistan a Relief Fund. There was a number of things that we were able to give back in August to be able to support some of the people who were struggling after some of the events that took place in Afghanistan this past year. Um, then we have some local projects, and I want you to hear about a couple of the local projects. So local projects, we had um, Hope Academy. Hope Academy is a, is a school in South um, Minneapolis, and they're just impacting, impacting the community. It's a private school, and so they... Uh, it's one you got to pay, but they're able to scholarship the majority of their students up to like 90%. And this is a place that isn't just being a good school. They are also a Christian school that is raising up, their passion is to raise up Christian leaders in this area to impact their community. And so we were able to help support, uh, we were able to fund an entire week of their kindergarten class to be able to attend this past year through Kingdom Builders. We also were able to partner with uh, Rochester Adult and Teen Challenge. Uh, some of you know Teen Challenge that deals with addiction. Uh, we were able to support them and invest in one of the projects that they have going on in Rochester for this year. And lastly, locally, there was a, there was a church that was planted back in March, uh, Mosaic Church. Uh, it was a church that we believe in and their leadership is getting planted right here in Burnsville. And we are a kingdom church. We're not a Zoe kingdom church. And so we said, hey, we want to invest in their church because there are lost people that desperately need Christ. And we need as many churches as possible that are, that are thriving and leading people to Christ. And so we were able to invest in them. And lastly, for our future leaders, uh, we, we were able to invest in the, the Minnesota campgrounds where all of our summer camps and things like that take place. It's a powerful place where life transformation takes place for our students. 
students, and we were able to help with some of the facilities to prepare them for uh, moving forward. But lastly, we were able to invest in scholarships for our elementary and our students, uh, so many of them to be able to go to camp this summer as well as our fall convention that took place. And hear this, every single one we saw people make first-time decisions of faith. We saw recommitments. We saw calls into ministry. And we saw kids who walked in these doors just months ago literally just lit on fire for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And all of that took place because of faithful people who said, I'm willing to step up to give generously to invest in things that really matter. And so we come this morning, at the end of the year, I love to come to the congregation as a whole and to be able to say, hey, listen, there's still some things we'd love to invest in. And we want to invite everybody to participate. This is an opportunity for us to take us to sow a seed of generosity into this area. And so there's three different projects that we want to leave. The goal here uh, for the next week or the next till through the end of the year is $40,000 more. And I'll tell you where that money is going to go, okay? First project is this, planting a church in the nation of Moldova. We had a missionary here back in May, if you remember. We had the Darrens here. And they talked about a, a call that they felt on their heart to plant 20 churches in the nation of Moldova. There are very, very few life-giving churches in the entire nation. They are kind of a post-Christian nation. And so what we said, it was at the time we were putting in a sound system, and I was raising money for that. And we just felt like, man, if we can raise money for a dumb sound system, we can plant a church in a nation who currently doesn't have a thriving church. And so it's $10,000 to plant a church. And we said, we want to plant one of them ourselves. Okay, And so that's what we want to invest in. The second thing we're looking to do is this. We've got missionaries in Oman, uh, Tim and Angie Lang. They were here just over a year ago. And Oman, again, one of the toughest places in the world. There has not been a movement of the church there. And so they have come with a, a, a church planting team. And their dream is to raise up and to build churches and to launch churches in the nation of Oman. And one of the best strategies that we have, again, it's an Islamic nation. And it's very challenging initially to have first conversations this way because people don't want to talk because they can have everything in their life taken away. So what they found is through digital strategy, they're able to initiate online conversations that in eventually become face-to-face -face conversations and ultimately brought into churches. And that's their dream and their goal. And so they are in desperate need. They've got the group there. They've been there a year now, but they need about $10,000 to get all of this stuff up and running. And so we believe we can do that like right now, rather than like two years from now, they can raise the funds. I want to do like now, get them on the ground, get them working to bring the hope of Christ to Oman. And the last thing we want to do is we want to come alongside our crazy, ridiculous high schoolers and junior hires who've raised almost $100,000 already this year. Amazing. And they are partnering with an organization we partnered with them last year, Venture, who work toward ending sex trafficking, particularly in the nations of Nepal, Thailand, that area. Um, and, and what they we've been raising money through the youth and, and what I want us to join in with them, I want us to add fuel to the fire that's already burning in their hearts to join with them that we could do this together as, as they put up border patrol stations that are on the border where oftentimes they're trafficking girls across uh, nation lines. And what they're able to do is actually spot the girls, rescue them, rehabilitate them, disciple them, and eventually many of them get sent off to actually plant churches themselves as Christian leaders because they have had that much discipleship. And we want to come alongside that. And so this is the dream this year. You know, can Amber and I give 40 grand right now? No. But if all of us invest something, I don't care if it's, you know, some of you giving a buck is going to be a lot right now because you're looking at your bank account and you're like, I, I got nothing in here. But there's others of you I know, writing a check for 10,000, writing a check for 20,000 would be nothing for you. 
And so my challenge is not that we all give the same amount, but that we all choose to invest in some way. And as we all sow a seed, I believe we can hit this and we can see all three of these taken care of in a powerful way and the kingdom of God will be expanded. And so that's our dream. So if, you know, if you're in the room, there's a little card. Uh, you'll see on there, the back side of that card has an explanation of some of these projects. And on that, uh, if you're with us online, what I explained is basically right on the card. There's two ways that you can engage, all right? One of those is you can give online. There's a, you can scan the QR code if you want to give something toward that. Please, I encourage you to do that this week. Our goal is even this week. I think this week we could wrap this thing up, honestly. But my prayer is that we, uh, you would take that, that you would scan that. You can engage digitally. If you are here this morning and you want to give cash or check or something like that, I've got two buckets, one on each side of the stage up here. And so before you leave today, anything that goes into these buckets is going to Kingdom Builders, all right? Just know that. Not a, not a penny is going anywhere else. So if you put anything in this bucket. But if you got that card and maybe you're not ready, you're like, I'm not sure ready. I want you to take that card and I want you to say, maybe, maybe you're like, I can't give right there, but this is how much I'm feeling God put on my heart. I want you to write it down on that card. Mark it on that card. Mark it, make a mental note. What is that? What is God calling you to? And then I pray this week we will all faithfully take a step and see God do the miraculous both here and all around the world, all right? Would you stand with me across the room? Father, we thank you. We thank you for what you've given us. God, you gave when we didn't deserve it. God so loved the world that he gave. God, I pray that we would do the same. And Lord, I pray over these needs. God, these are, this is your kingdom work. These are your dreams and visions that you put in, in the heart's of our missionaries and leaders around the world. And so, God, I'm asking that you would help give us uh, just the ability to catch hold of what you're asking of us. You haven't asked us to go overseas, but you are asking us to engage. So, God, speak to us. Speak to our hearts clearly, Lord Jesus. And, Lord, I, God, I pray that you would provide the funds to be able to finish these out here. And, I, and God, I pray that you would once again uh, lead us and guide us not to live as everybody else does, but, God, help us to live as you do with open hands and open hearts. We pray that in the name of Jesus, everybody said. Amen, amen. I encourage you just to take that step yourself this week uh, to be able to give. At this time, I'm gonna invite our prayer workers forward. I know there's people who walk in the door. I know it on a regular basis. You walk in the door and, and you got a lot of garbage going on in your life and you need somebody to pray with you. Please do not go that way. I pray that you would come this way. Allow one of our, our prayer team workers to work with you, to pray with you, to pray over you, to be a blessing for you in your life. Otherwise, have a great Thanksgiving. Enjoy the day. We'll see you back next Sunday. Love you guys.